Everybody ready for some word now? Okay, go with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Today, I want to continue with a series we've been in the last, I don't know, four weeks, I guess, called Totally Righteous. Do we have any totally righteous people here? today. I'm convinced this is a message of of vital importance. And like I said to you last week, there are large portions, I think probably the majority of the body of Christ is ignorant of this, but we don't have to be. We can be ignorant and innocent concerning evil, but well-versed concerning what is good, right? And we ought to be, huh? We ought to be studied up. We ought to be, have knowledge, have revelation knowledge, have insight. I mean, we have the spirit of truth living on the inside of us. I mean, he's our teacher and he's our guide. He shows us things to come, reminds us of what Jesus said, right? We should be uh, prepared. We should be ready. And we should be well equipped with the knowledge of what the Lord says concerning our lives. And if we're not, let's do it. Amen. Righteousness, that sounds like a spiritual word, huh? Or a churchy word, maybe. Well, it's a Bible word. In fact, the Bible is full of that word, big time. And, uh, and there's lots of other words that are translated that, uh, that are, are similar, like justified. And, but, but, but when we talk about righteousness, it is the character and quality of being right or just. All right, don't let it be too... Uh, religious in your mind when you hear a word like that, just grab the first part of it. I think it's the best definition. It means you're right. All right? The opposite would be you're unrighteous or wrong just. Right? And our place, our desire uh, is to be right. I don't, I'm not talking about right my opinions right over your opinion. We're talking about a, a spiritual position where God calls us right with Him. We are justified. We are not guilty. We are not condemned. We are not shamed. We are not, not, not sinful, but we've been changed and now we're rightful. We're, we, are, we are just the way we're supposed to be, okay? And so uh, this is righteousness. It's the root cause, the, the empowerment for right behavior. When someone is righteous, they, are, they have right standing with God, and then they know that they have that standing. They know that they're righteous. It is a, an empowerment. It is a motivator. It is, it is an enabler of right living, okay? There are many believers, when I say believers, they have believed in the Lord for the forgiveness of their sins and received eternal life that are, are not living right. They are, by position in Christ, right with God, but their lack of knowledge of that place um, causes or at least detracts from their ability to live out that position and place in Christ. And so they struggle as if, they're, as if sin had dominion over them. They, they, they struggle and fight and just trying to, trying to hold their head up above the water when it shouldn't be that way. 
Come on now. We're to be the water walkers. Not just trying to stay alive. Not just trying to make it through. Hold on to the end. No, we are to be thriving in life. Living above and not beneath. The head and not the tail. Come on. We are the overcomers, not the undergoers. We are alive in Him. And, and this is to be a real big deal in our life. Okay? And so it's the root cause for right behavior. Uh, righteousness is empowerment for right living. Righteousness is empowerment for... It, it enables a person to live in health, to live in peace, to, to live in and, and have confidence in their life as opposed to timidity and shame. Let's go ahead and read these verses. Some of my favorites in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It reads, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Is anybody here in Christ? Come on. If anyone then is in Christ, he or she, he is a new creation. Praise God. Anybody new here? So what if I got saved like 20 years ago? You're still just as new as you were 20 years ago. Huh? Are your spirits not like an old car? You know, it was new. I had to buy this car new. I know, but that was 10 years ago. It's not new anymore. It doesn't look new, doesn't feel new, doesn't drive like a new one. But I tell you, spiritually, we're just as new as the day we were born again. Bible says the inward man is, is renewed from day to day. We never get old. Yeah. And so he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, or look, all things have become new. That's good news. Now, verse 18, now all things are of God. I mean, you could just meditate on that for a while, couldn't you? Think about it. Now, what? In your life, everything is of God. Say, I don't know about that. Then read it again. If ever you start to doubt it, you ever think otherwise, you ever feel differently about your own life, go and read it. It'll stay the same every time you turn to it. Every time you read that verse, it'll still say, now all things are of God. Who has reconciled us to himself. So he brought us back together with himself. We were apart. We were separated from God by sin, by spiritual death. But because of Jesus, what did he do? He brought us back. He brought us back to himself. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Through Jesus Christ and has given us... The ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, where? On the cross, through the work of redemption. He was in Christ, reconciling, bringing back together the world to Himself. Say, what was going on there when Jesus hung on the cross? That was God. It was the Father in Him, bringing back a sinful, separated, cursed world A people that had rejected, a people that had rebelled, that had stiffened their neck and turned their back against God. And then He came in Christ, and He on the cross was bringing the world back to Himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them. In other words, a bunch of scoundrels. And He said, I'm going to to just act like it never happened. I'm going to put put it all on Jesus. So as far as they're concerned, they never did anything wrong. Not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. 
So, so, so in other words, Jesus, the, the Father in Christ, did the deed of reconciliation, bringing, reuniting the world, His creation with Himself. Now, what has He committed to us? To tell everyone that. He committed us the word of it. What's our job? Say it. What's our job? Agree with it. Speak it. Share it. Release it. Let people know about what God already did for them in Christ. Huh? So, so, so what's our job? It's the good news. So what's the good news? God fixed it for you. It's already cleaned up. You know that mess you made? <laughs> it's already been taken care of. You know how you royally screwed everything up? <laughs> you know how you've sinned and come short of the glory of God? How many know, you know how you've sin, sinned and come short of the glory of God? So you can say this to people in Arby's. Uh, you can say it to people at the... You know how you've, how you've messed things up? How you've sinned? How you've made wrong choices in your life? God already cleaned that up for you. He did? Yeah, yeah. He already fixed it all up for you. That's, this is our job. It's the word of reconciliation. Verse 21. We're having even funny. We haven't gotten to the verse yet. For he made him, now he who? He, God the Father, made him, God the Son, Jesus, who knew no sin. What does that mean? That means that Jesus lived a perfect life, that he was absolutely sinless. He never did anything wrong. He knew no sin, but he made him to what? To be sin. For us. Say, is that sometimes people don't like that that language that Jesus became sin. But he did. This is one of the most amazing events. This is the turning point in history, is when the Son of God, Jesus, who knew no sin, literally became sin on the cross. It was not a pretty sight. It's why in the Old Testament he is depicted as that brass serpent on the pole uh, when Israel was attacked in the wilderness by serpents and by, by the snakes. And, he, and it is a picture of Jesus, that brass serpent on the pole, not the spotless lamb. He was spotless till he got there, but then he was what? Made sin. It was ugly. Jesus on the cross. Why? Because he looked like what we looked like prior to the new birth. Ugly. In the spirit, it is gruesome. It is detestable. Abhorrent. I think of any other adjectives. Bad stuff. Darkness. It is sin. Sin is a scourge on life, on humanity. It destroys joy and peace and life and relationships and health. It is a horrible thing. And that is what Jesus became on the cross. He was made to be all those things. Well, why? Well, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus then literally became sin and he had to do that so that we could literally become righteous. If he wasn't made sin, then you wasn't made righteous. But if he was made sin and you believed on him, then you were made righteous. Praise God. Now, 
I am then today, because I'm in Christ, just as righteous as Jesus was sin. It's, it's an exact and complete opposite. He was made one, I got the other. Jesus started totally righteous, was made sin, I started as sin, and I was made righteous. If this seems just kind of technical and I'm just stating facts, uh, it'll go off in you one of these moments and you'll get get happy all right there in your seat. And uh, hallelujah. And so just like, now here's what we want to be real clear and direct about. Jesus didn't just carry our sin to the cross. If that were true, then I would now just be a carrier of righteousness. But he became that in essence, in substance of his life. And now I have become right with God. It's not something I have in my backpack. Right? I've got this righteousness. Oh, what a great gift this is. Oh, I'm so thankful for this gift that I'm carrying around this gift. No, I literally, it is my nature. It is your nature in Christ. You are right with God. So I can't just dump it off. No, it's who I am now. Jesus became sin. We became righteous. Now, how many know millions of Christians are taught and they believe to their demise that they are just forgiven sinners? It is being promoted widespread. When you come to Jesus, now you are a forgiven sinner. And I'm telling you, we are so much more than that. We have a much better condition and place with God. God did not leave you in the sinful condition you were without Him. Literally, there was a transformation, a spiritual change. We are not forgiven sinners. It's, you know, it's... It's commonly stated, and unfortunately, too many people nod their head in agreement when someone said, when someone will say, you know, well, you know, we're all sinners. Well, you know, we're all sinners. That's not true. Now, here is a true statement. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But once a person becomes, uh, once they are in Christ, there is literally a nature change. It is a spiritual condition that is transformed in a moment. And according to this verse, a person is now made righteous. Praise the Lord. We are so much more. We were not... uh, See, see, when you came to the Lord, you were changed, not just forgiven. You were made new, not just cleaned up. Not just put us... Put the lipstick on a pig and, hey, you're a Christian pig now, or whatever. No, literally, a changed nature is what takes place when someone is in Christ. We no longer have a sin nature, but we have God's nature. Amen. Salvation is not a band-aid. You were messed up, but God covered it up. 
In the Old Covenant, they would talk about the blood of goats and, and, and sheep and so forth. They, the sacrifices would cover their sin. It's covered. In other words, it's kind of still there, but kind of covered over, so it's okay. You can't really see it. No, now in Christ, there is no sin. He literally causes us to be made like Him. We're a new species of being that didn't exist before. Let me read this, uh, this verse, the 17th verse, here from a, a couple different translations. This is the Phillips translation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 For if a man is in Christ, he becomes a new person altogether. The past is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. Listen to the, the easy to read version. When anyone is in Christ, it is a whole new world. The old things are gone. Suddenly, everything is new. Listen to the Living Bible. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Can anyone get a revelation of this? This is important for us to understand that we are not just on the mend. Well, I'm improving uh, the Lord is working in me. Now, now he, he is working in us. We can talk about that from the, our, our knowledge standpoint, from our, 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 our living by faith standpoint. But I tell you, from a, as a spiritual being, we were made new. The old guy's gone. Just gone. Just out of here. Just toast. Just dead. And now there's a new life that didn't exist before. We are alive in Christ. This is what you can't do to yourself. But God did it to you. He did it for you. He did it in you. And it is. Everybody say, it is. is. Amen. Listen, when we we talk about being made righteous by the grace of God, by His goodness, uh, how many understand that God is not grading on a curve? He doesn't compare your life with someone else's life. When we talk about unrighteousness versus righteousness or life and death, God is not looking oftentimes like, like we do. You know, like, like we say sometimes in school, if there was a really tough test, hopefully that teacher will grade on a curve, right? And then everybody kind of comes up if it was really difficult and everyone did a little bit, you know, worse than they should have. Uh, in God's kingdom, there is no A for effort, Okay. It's just, well, you know, you're a sinner. Or you've been made righteous with God. You're either in one camp or the other. Uh, go with me to the book of Genesis for a moment. Look at, look at the fourth chapter of Genesis. Genesis chapter 4. This seems to be uh, a normal part of the way human beings think. And that is, we compare. Well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Well, I'm almost as good as this person. Well, in the big picture, you know, I'm not doing too bad. And people judge their, their own righteous living based upon every other people around them. They, they judge their, their walk with God. I mean, this is sad. 
But we judge our walk with God often by how everybody else is doing. Well, I pray just as much as so-and-so. Or I, you know, you know what I'm talking about? But, but, but who cares? Because I'm telling you, God doesn't care. That's, that's, not how we, that's not how he looks at things. But this happened right at the very beginning. You remember in, in Genesis chapter 4 when, uh, when Cain killed his brother Abel. Anybody remember that story? If not, just read it. Only a few verses. It wouldn't take long. It was over his offering. His offering was better than his brother, so he killed him for it. And, uh, and in verse 15, see, what, what happened is, is, is uh, the Lord pronounced some things concerning Cain, how the ground wasn't going to produce for him anymore, and uh, not regularly. And in verse 15, because Cain, Cain came to the Lord and said, well, that's, this is too hard. This is too much for me to handle. Uh, and, you know, well, I almost have to back up, but... Uh, uh, to get the to get the context, but in verse thirteen, Cain said, "My punishment is greater than I can bear." Uh, he said, "You have driven me out from this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me." So so Cain is telling the Lord, "I'm in trouble. So someone's going to kill me if they find me as a result of of, of this." Verse fifteen. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be upon him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Now, this is interesting. This is the first murderer of the planet. First murder of the human race. And, it, and in this time, because there was no law, he was not under a law. But, you know, later when the law came, how many know if someone murdered, they were commanded to kill the murderer. That was their pun. It was capital punishment. Someone kills, you take their life. That was the law. This was prior to the law. Uh, and so it's interesting here how the Lord dealt with him. He, he was kind of keep him alive. The Lord wanted to keep, keep him alive. And so he, he did this and said it would be uh, vengeance would be taken sevenfold. And so that was the word. Everyone said, don't touch Cain or you're going to get it times seven. What he got. And so that was, that was their deterrence from, from attacking him. And so he got protected. Uh, if you go down to the 23rd verse, now, just a few verses later, but, you know, lots of years happened in between verses in Genesis. Uh, verse 23, then Lamech said to his wives, see, how many know the enemy automatically comes at marriage? <laughs> I mean, we're just in Genesis chapter 4, and already they're getting multiple wives. It's like, give me a break. Can you, can you not remember God made... <laughs> man and woman and just be joined unto your wife uh? and now they want more and that was a scourge on, on human history and now of course marriage is under serious attack again the enemy always wants to mess up the family wants to mess up God's design and God's order and so anyway that's a side note because everybody's thinking about it uh, he said to his wives, Ada and Zilla. See, they didn't even have good names. No, I'm just messing with there. Ada and Zilla, hear my voice, wives of Lamech. Listen to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me. In other words, see, he said, I killed someone, but this is why I did it. Because he hurt me. He wounded me, so I took him out. Even a young man... For hurting me, 
Verse 24, if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. Now, what is he doing? He's immediately comparing. He's going into this, well, I did this. I did what Cain did, but he did it for, he did it for the wrong reason. I did it. My, my reason was better. I did it because he hurt me. You know, Cain did it because his brother's offering was better than his. And, uh, and so you have, you have the thinking of humanity, the thinking of the human race that says, what I do is not so bad in comparison to what someone else does. And this thinking creeps into our mentality by not staying renewed with God's Word and His righteous thinking, His righteous ways. Okay, the Bible says. You, you, you ever read about what the Scripture said about um, about uh, Lot? Remember uh, Ab- Abraham's nephew Lot, who went to live in Sodom, was was the city that was destroyed, and it was a it was a sexual perversion going on there. And the Bible t- speaks of righteous Lot, whose soul was vexed from day to day by seeing and hearing the things which the people around him did. You ever read that in the New Testament? And you read about righteous Lot, and you see some of the things he did when they were being attacked by all the men who wanted to come in and sleep with the angels that they didn't know were angels, but they came to town and they saw two new guys in town, and they all wanted to have sex with them. Remember that story? Yeah, that's in the Bible too. And, uh, and Lot said, no, no, I'm protecting these because they're busy. He's very hospitable, taking care of his new guests. He said, take my virgin daughters instead. And you think, holy smokes. <laughs> and he got labeled righteous? <laughs> anyway, I'm telling you that a lot of times people, they, their lifestyle and their manner of thinking gets heavily degraded by not staying in fellowship with the Lord and His Word. And seeing God's way for doing things. See, we're not under law in the new covenant, but you know what? You know why we why we shouldn't do some of the things that are rejected in the law because they're contrary to our nature. They're contrary to who we are in Christ. They're contrary to our Father. He is love. That's why I wouldn't kill someone. That's why I wouldn't steal someone from someone. That's why I shouldn't covet someone else's stuff. My Father is not that way. It's inconsistent with His character and nature. Anyway, so Lamech started comparing and minimizing what he did because it wasn't as bad as what someone else did. And I don't think we ought to live our lives by that kind of standard. Here's the way we should approach sin. Let's keep it super evil. Let's never minimize, even for a moment, the very nature of sin itself. It's horrible. If ever we start to marginalize it in our mind and and say, it's not so bad, or I don't see what the problem is, stop, stop. Because listen, it took the very life of the Son of God to remove it from your life. It took the severe sacrifice, the severe suffering of the Lord Jesus Himself, so that that thing that we're saying, oh, it's not so bad, it's not as bad as this person, It took that so God could legally remove it from your life and be restored in union with you. And so if ever I think this is not a bad sin or this is a little white lie or, you know, some other kind of color-coded sin, 
All right, this is no big deal. Stop. Remember, it took the life of Jesus to get that out of you. It was a big deal. And if I minimize the evilness, the wickedness of wrongdoing, I am also minimizing the power and the need and necessity of the sacrifice of Jesus. And I don't want to take anything away from what He did for me. See, we've got to keep sin, sin, and keep righteous, righteous. Yeah? I remember one day... Um, my my kids. One one of my kids was apologizing to one of the other for something they had done wrong to him. And the other said, "Oh, that's okay." And I was right there. I said, "Stop." I said, "Don't tell them that's okay." Now I said, "I know you're just being kind. You're just trying to be nice by saying that, but don't tell them it was okay." Tell them you're forgiven. Because sin is never okay. And what they did to you was not okay. That's not right. It's not acceptable. It's not okay. It's wrong. It's what separates the human race from God. Not okay. But forgiven. Hmm. When you look at your own life, don't look at mistakes you've made, wrong choices, sins you've committed, and say... Ah, no big deal. I mean, it's, it's not. No, no, no. Big deal. Big, 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 big honking deal. But, watch. Forgiven. Forgiven. See, keep sin in its category. It's contrary. It's opposite of who God is in His nature. And let's keep God right. Righteous. The blood of Jesus. Powerful. Precious. And pure. It cleanses and washes us and gives us right standing with God. I don't want to minimize either side of this. And we've got people in both ditch. Those who will water down the word and water down holy living. And they'll try to, you know, it's all muddy and murky and gray. And you get those on the other side who will say, even though we're, even though we're saved, even though we're, we're forgiven, they back away from we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And I want to be extreme in this. I, I, I want to be extremely accurate and right and dogmatic. And, and you know what I'm talking about. Sin is sin. And Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. And it worked. I'm saved. I am. In, I'm not just a better version of my old self. No, my old self died. And now I'm alive in Christ. Oh, thank you, Lord. Next time you're tempted to do wrong, remember what it took to redeem you. Because it took some pretty serious stuff. Praise God. Look, at, look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 1. See, we find our righteousness in Christ, not in ourselves, not in our works, not in our efforts, not in our performance. We also find our standard of, of, of right behavior in Christ. Not comparing with others, comparing with the Lord, comparing with Jesus. What's my standard for how I should live? Not I'm better than so and so. No, my standard is Jesus. It's perfection. So what if I don't, measure, what if I don't reach perfect? You already have in Christ. You've already been made right. You can't be made more right than right. Huh? 
And, and, and while we're talking and while we're making uh, outstanding, very enjoyable to hear extreme statements, <laughs> you're just as right with, with the Father as Jesus is with the Father if you've received His grace. Your, you, you, your relationship with the Father is on equal plane as Jesus with the Father because we're in Christ. Did that mess you up pretty good? Food for thought. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, see, this explains over here, there's some statements that Paul made about, about the law. And we, we think about the law, of course, it's the law of Moses, but think about it this way. It is a standard that, that was set so that people would realize their shortcoming. It was a standard set so people would realize they need saved and they could not save themselves. They needed saved. And he said here in verse 8, but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law was not made for a righteous person. That's an outstanding statement. The law was what? Not made for a righteous person person, but for the lawless, the insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers. And if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And so when we talk about this, uh, these laws and and trying to, trying to trying to be right with God based upon our level of, of right living, we fail. And those laws were never given to a person who's been born again. They were given to the unregenerate. They were given to the sinners. They were, amen. If we want to identify ourselves as sinners, then we need lots of laws. We need so many stinking laws until we come to the point we say, okay, I quit, I give up, I'm not, this is not working. <laughs> and that's what, what, it, what it was intended to do. And we say, okay, I'm going to give up on this being a sinner. I, have sin, I've, I turn from my sinfulness and I turn to your righteousness. And at that moment, we, are, we receive grace. We receive an impartation of right standing with God. And it's not contingent upon what we do or what we don't do. The law was given to expose sinfulness. And the righteousness that you are in Christ is now connected to right behavior. Acknowledging the one empowers the other. If I acknowledge who I am and what I have in Christ, here's what I'm saying. Now I'm empowered to live that out. See, here, here, here's one of the... Uh, I don't know, most contradictory things I think that happens sometimes in church. People are told, you are a sinner. Now live right. You are a rascal. You good for nothing. You dirty dog. You need to, you need to live righteous and holy. It's like telling the dog, you need to meow. <laughs> you are a dog. When are you going to learn to meow? It's like tell, telling a weak, a weak person, you are weak. You are a weakling. Now get over here and move this piano. <laughs> you, or you are, 
you are ugly. You are one ugly person. Now I want you to get out there and win this beauty pageant. <laughs> See, that doesn't make sense at all. Why would you tell someone, you're one thing, but you need to do the other? What we need is an affirmation of who we are in Him, not what we can do in our own strength, in our own might, and on our own ability. And I believe this, if I find and I discover and I, I come to a revelation that He empowers me, that He changed me, I'm not the way I used to be, and my mind, my thinking starts to align with my spiritual nature in Christ and what He made me to be, now I can be told, live right, live holy, live clean and pure. And it's like, well, yeah, that's who I am. I'm a child of God. I, the greater one lives inside of me. Huh? Greater is he who's in me than he who's against me. He who's in the world. <laughs> I can do this. And someone said, you need to make right choices. You've been making wrong decisions. Well, I have the greater one in me. And he's my teacher. And he's my guide. He's my helper. He is the Holy Spirit of God who knows all things. I can do this. I can be led by Him. I can make choices that are right where I used to make them wrong. Yeah. And so a person's belief about themselves is huge when it comes to how they're going to live their life and live this out. And if I believe that I'm just, a, uh, I'm just an improved wreck, you know, that I'm a mess, but, you know, I got a little... A little shine on my forehead or something. I, I'm just, no, 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 no. See, see I, I'm going to struggle with that. But if I believe the word of God, hmm, changes everything. So I so say, why, why, why don't people say this? Why don't people have this? Why don't people li- live like this and, and believe, believe this? Because it takes faith. Because we look at ourselves in the mirror and we think, ah. Uh, Or we judge ourselves by our actions and think, I've come short of the glory of God. Certainly, certainly. But let's look in a different mirror. Let's look at the one that shows us in Christ and see what our potential is. Hmm? Why don't some people want to say that? It takes faith. Just like it takes faith for a person who is hurting in their body to rise up and boldly declare, I am by his stripes healed. Well, you don't look healed. I am. Well, you certainly don't look like it. I am anyway. How many know it takes faith to say that? And that's the reason some people never get there because they won't say it while it still looks bad. They won't say it while it still feels bad. They're going to wait to see it before they believe it. And I'm telling you, we can't wait till we have a perfect example of life Meaning, where we live our life 100% righteous and holy and never make a mistake before we say we're righteous. We'll never get there. Let's take it by faith. The Lord says, if you're in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. And you are now made right in the sun. And Now look yourself in the mirror. I'm not seeing me and my limitations and my lack and failures. I'm seeing Jesus, the resurrected one, living and breathing through me. It is now no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And now I live by faith of the Son of God. Praise God. This is a whole new level of living, isn't it? 
Amen. Hallelujah. Man, I didn't even get to everything I wanted to say today. We should come back and do this again next week. Come on. <laughs> Amen. I'll tell you what. Th- th- this is a revelation that the Scripture is full of. I mean, it's everywhere. We've got to be, have it ingrained inside of us to where we not only are the righteousness of God, but we think in accordance with that righteousness. Amen. Praise God. Father, I pray, for, pray today for all these I thank you for the revelation of truth that makes us free. I thank you for understanding and revelation. I thank you for working in us to cause us to rise up and enjoy and experience all what Jesus paid for with his shed blood. We never want to minimize the effects, the serious nature of sin, nor do we want to minimize at all the solution to that sin problem. The blood of Jesus, the precious blood was shed for us. Oh, and it never loses its power. And we are today washed and clean and free because of what Jesus did. Lord, we give you thanks for this. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for working in our lives today. I thank you for bodies being restored now. Oh, I thank you for those people having rib problems now, just being restored in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Those organs, those internal things there, uh, in Jesus' name, just being healed now. Lord, we just say it is so because it is in Christ. Lord, we thank you for working in our, our lives today. In Jesus' mighty name. Praise God, praise God. Father, for those who are not born again. Oh, they've not yet been made the righteousness of God in Christ. I pray that you draw them to yourself today in Jesus' name. Amen.